0: the four elements i'm really excited to be jumping into today's episode um of course this is going to be our final you know official um water tribe quadrant episode um with the exception of our upcoming kind of closing off episode kind of our goodbye episode for the water tribe quadrant but this one right here is our kind of our last official water tribe quadrant episode and um Let's finishing let's finish this off well. Um I know a few weeks ago we broke down Avatar Karuk. So today we are going to be breaking down Avatar Korra. I'm really excited to dive into the era of Avatar Korra and kind of do some really fun discussions and questions and just kind of learn about her life, talk about her life, kind of analyze some stuff. So I think this is going to be a great episode. And without further ado, let's just jump right in. Okay. Born and raised in the Southern Water Tribe, Korra was kept in a compound under the protection of Tenzin, Tonraq, Katara, and the White Lotus. She easily mastered earth, water, and firebending during, during her time there. When Tenzin visited and told Korra that he was only staying for a day, Korra later relocated to R- Republic City to pursue airbending training with Tenzin, as well as to help her overcome her aversion to the spiritual aspects of all of the other bending arts. Korra was quickly faced
1: with opposition from Amon and the Equalist, and she ended up stopping Amon from taking over Republic City and unlocking her airbending. However, Amon managed to remove Korra's other bending abilities during the fight. With the assistance of Aang's spirit, Korra gained the ability to energy bend, and after connecting with her past lives, she gained back her air bending and the capacity to enter the Avatar state at will, marking her transition into a fully realized Avatar.
0: While visiting the Glacier Spirits Festival, Unalak managed to convince Korra to train with him but Korra later realized that Unalak betrayed her father and herself. Korra turned against Unalak, but Unalak still managed to release Vatu and merge with the Dark Spirit. Korra entered an epic battle against Vatu with the help of Rava, but Unavatu was too strong. Unavatu sucked Rava out of Korra and severed her connections to the past avatars.
1: Due to her temporary separation from Rabba during the harmonic convergence of 171 AG, she no longer had a connection to her past lives. Following her battle with Sahir and the Red Lotus, she spent three years recovering from trauma. Later, after defeating Kavira and bringing an end to the Earth Empire, Bora started a romantic relationship with her best friend, Asami Sato.
0: Great. Um, that is, that's pretty much it for the, you know, the shorter section of this episode where we just kind of glass over, just kind of talk about the overall aspect of her life and how her life goes and the timeline of her era. But in the next segment, we'll be going more in-depth, and we'll be doing some really cool mini-discussions and different questions about her Avatar-hood, so we'll be right back on The Four Elements. Hello, welcome back to The Four Elements. In this segment, we're going more in-depth about Avatar Korra. We'll be doing some mini-discussion questions, and overall, just going more in-depth about her Avatar-hood, so... Let's just uh, get jump right into this next segment. Okay, so starting off with our discussion questions, our first question is: Why is Korra one of the most hated avatars in the Avatar verse and in the fandom? So, starting off, I think I think mostly, basically, Korra definitely did some great things. She really did some great things and we'll be jumping into her accomplishments a few in a few questions um in a few minutes but um for now I just think even though she accomplished a lot of great things I think a lot of times her personality was just a little bit unlikable you know like especially in season two of Legend of Korra she was very stubborn and she she wouldn't she wouldn't she wouldn't listen to people she didn't trust people as much you know it's like she kind of just Betrayed Tenzin, even though he was all committed to her, she was pretty blinded. So, and then also a lot of times with the Avatar verse, she can make questionable, questionable decisions every once in a while in the Avatar verse. So I think that's part of why the fandom is like, in terms of with the fandom core, is one of those hated avatars. I also think it's just because a lot of people just think, you know. Legend of Korra is terrible, and they're just they they're just not enthusiastic about the general the series and the sequel. So I think they just take out their anger about their expectations for Legend of Korra, like on character herself, and that and that's my theory of like why she's one of the most hated avatars in the Avatar fandom. Um, what do you think, Fire Lord Balrog? Yeah, she's
1: definitely much more stubborn than Aang. She barely she. She's very untrustful to people, which is not very good for an Avatar to be. Like, I feel like they should be able to trust their colleagues more to work better together. Exactly. Yeah.
0: And there was, like, all sorts of love triangle things going on in season one and season two. And there was a lot of bad chemistry, you know? I would kind of compare, compare this to, like, that one professional basketball team. Who has terrible chemistry but is very effective on the court? That's like what I would compare it to, basically. You know, in, especially in season one and season two of Legend of Korra, I think that's kind of what I would compare Legend of Korra team Avatar to. And I think Legend, of, I think Korra, because of all of those past romantic relationships with like Mako and you know Bolin a little bit, I still think. I think that she probably became very untrustworthy because, like, she broke up with Mako and Boleyn, like, two or three times each (laughs) throughout the entire series, so things got very messy, and yes, the, the, the writing of season two is still very questionable, and I agree with people when they say the writing of season two was bad, but still, that still counts, because it's still canon, and, um... I just think Korra was, like, very untrustful of Mako in season two when she was, like, when Mako was assuring her that Tenzin was just trying to help her become the best avatar she could be. She was like, of course you take his side. So there's, like, a lot of things about sides and conflicting thoughts in Korra's head. So I think, like, she just has a lot of things going on, especially in season two. And she makes some pretty bad de- decisions. She gets pretty stubborn. She says some, some pretty bad stuff. For example, she said in um the first, I think in the fr- probably somewhere on the first few episodes of season one, in Legend logic Horror, she says to Tenzin, maybe I don't need airbending. Maybe there's a reason you can't teach me. Maybe because I don't need airbending at all. Like, like that's like, it's those quotes and those sayings that i think are also part of what chips into pe- the gener- half of the fandom just totally hating avatar korra um i mean she does do she does some really great things that are going to impact the avatar verse for, for centuries to come which we will talk about in the upcoming next question but i just think yeah finally bora like, what how do you think the the bad decisions that she makes are could be tied to the past relationships with her team avatar or the bad chemistry. How do you think that's like linked?
1: Um, Well, as I said before, um, they're very, she's very untrustful of them sometimes because, you know, obviously there's a lot of things happening between them, like relationships and breaking up and stuff. So I feel that, yeah, definitely. um, They're on her untrustworthiness for them feeling is not going to help them very much with accomplishing their goals as a team
0: yes and and of course at the end of the series all of this gets resolved like it's it's all and it all ends well everything goes great but in season one and season two we're just talking about for now in season one and season two how things went and how things played out and some of the questionable decisions avatar Korra made and like how that is linked to her being a little hated in the avatar fandom. Okay. Moving on to our next question. Um our next question is what would the avatar verse be like without Korra? So this is a really big one because Korra had a lot of great accomplishments. So let's just dive right into it. First off, um without Korra, I would say, first of all, the first big accomplishment she made, of course, was defeating Amon, right? Um, First of all, uh, Amon, if Korra had not been there to kind of defeat Amon, then I kind of think, yeah, like, Republic City would be completely taken over by Amon, and some people argue maybe Amon was right, like, Maybe this wouldn't be so bad after all. Like, maybe everyone not have bending in the Avatarverse. Maybe that's a good thing, you know? That could be a good thing. You never know. Like, maybe it's there's less ways for people to oppress each other, less ways for people to take power, you know? So I think that could be a good thing, but that could also be a bad thing. Like, Amon had some... I mean, Amon did have some good messages. Like, we see at first in Republic City... Like, the entire Republic City Council in Season 1 are all benders. There's no non-bending representative on the Republic City Council. So, um, stuff like that kind of indicates that sometimes Amon may actually be right. But on the other hand, Amon is a blood-bending, terrifying, you know, just super, super angry and conflicted guy who was definitely going to do some really bad stuff to Republic City at the same time. So, that probably still wouldn't end well. What do you think, Father Ballrog? like, what would happen if Korra was not there to show up and fight Amon?
1: I feel that um, when Amon says that everyone should not have venting, he means that everyone should not have bending but himself. So <laughs> eventually, eventually, they find out that he's a vendor, and they'd have nothing to do because there's no other vendors to stop him.
0: And oh, then and he would just... a super
1: so there's not much they can do anyway.
0: Yeah, that, like... Yeah, that's that, that's a good point. That's a really... W- way to connect the dots. Because, like, Amon... Yeah, a lot, I almost forgot that Amon is a bender himself while I was saying all those things. So, yeah, that's... If he took everyone's bending, then... Yeah, they it there's there's no way no one would at least for a few might happen he might have a good run for like a few years maybe but eventually someone will eventually discover him probably and um i think yeah that's because there's so many people in republic city someone's gonna discover him eventually and i think when they do discover him then he'll just bloodbend them right because he's the only bender left so that's a good point um moving on like Kind of Korra, the second thing Korra did was she became, in season two, she became Cosmic Korra. And she stopped Unavat. This would be pretty sim- simple. It would just be end of days. Because Unalak is just like, he was like about to destroy the entire world with his dark spirit energy. And I'm just thinking like, that's just simple. The world's just gonna end without Avatar Korra there to, like, stop Unalak. Fire Lord Balrog, do you think there's any other possibilities besides that?
1: Yeah, I feel like with Unalok's crazy mind, he probably wouldn't even think about taking over the world. He probably just think about destroying it, honestly, or mm- just causing havoc for everyone.
0: Yeah, I just think... Yeah, I don't really... <laughs> There's no, not a lot of other possibilities just seeing what Unalak is capable of and seeing what he what his goal was. So, um, without Avatar Korra, yes. Like with before we move on to like season three, season four, her big accomplishments how if she wasn't there, um, then like before we do that, first of all, no avatar Korra, just end of days. End of Avatar verse, period. It's that simple, okay? That's our final... That's gonna be... Spoiler alert, that's gonna be our final answer. Um, Third, season three, Zaheer. I actually think the world would at least survive if Zaheer was ruling it and Avatar Korra was never there to stop him. I think the world would definitely survive. Now, that's one thing, but I think that everyone in the world would eventually be miserable because there's no... There's no general organization... Or, no, no... I mean, I I get... Sometimes I can get anarchy. Like, I can get it. Like, sometimes government can be pretty bad and just pretty useless. But at the same time, there's still going to be a lot of chaos. Like we saw in Season 3, when Zaheer kind of just killed the Earth Queen. And we saw everyone was rioting, and the walls were burning down, and things were being destroyed. Houses were burning down. Stuff like that, okay? So, basically... Um, it's, it's basically just also the same answer. Um, the world would survive, but it would, like, it would, I, I don't know, this is a kind of a hard one, because we didn't really see much speculation as to what Zehir would do. We know that he would, like, definitely make the things very chaotic, no government at all. What do you think, Filer ball I feel like again, coming back.
1: The one thing I feel like the Red Lotus would just kill all the governments and realize that they have all the power in their hands and just become a the government themselves in order everyone around.
0: That makes sense. So
1: I, yeah, I feel like it's the one situation again. I feel like that's the most possible outcome. Yeah, if Korra wasn't there,
0: because I think yeah, zahir would definitely like have the world like that for a long time. But soon he'd realize that people would actually start looking up to him, and like, okay, man, you you're, you're the powerful flying air vendor, and you can you're in control of this stuff. What are you gonna do? And then that'll just turn into government all over again. That is a very good point. That is a very good point. That all that's that that makes a lot of sense because Zaheer, when you think about it, Zaheer has his own kind. He likes to rule with his own kind of is he's his own kind of politician in a way but i think if you gave him a few years with no avatar to do anything i think he would eventually realize people are just going to start looking up to him and people are starting to be like hey you're you're the guy in char- charge you're the government right um so that makes sense now finally season four kuvira this would probably be the least bad outcome of all of them i'm not saying it still wouldn't be bad but it would be the least bad outcome um avatar cora Fought kuvira a lot she had many battles against kuvira and kuvira was really stubborn kuvira really tried to use the earth empire to take over anything but at the same time with that said kuvira was also trying to destroy things with the mecha blaster with the spirit blaster so so again republic city would be dunzo without avatar korra and her team The team took a big part. And um, also, Kuvira would never get a redemption arc. Because the comic, in the comic, you know, there's a comic, I think, that shows Kuvira's redemption arc, but she would never get that redemption arc if Korra didn't save her and Korra wasn't there. Then Kuvira would just be free to destroy the entirety of Republic City and become her worst self and probably start destroying other nations, too. What do you think, Father Do you think all the other nations would be destroyed or do you think maybe a few nations would still live besides republic city
1: well if you look at her attitude you see um you see her attitude taking over republic city and i feel like her next course of action would be looking at the fire nation and blaming them for starting colonizations in the first place and it'd be like that thing where people sell against each other even though it happened like hundreds of years ago
0: yes yeah. yeah there's in an Legend of genji they're having that kind of theme too like the fire nation is still under scrutiny still because of all the things that they did even when they pay for their war crimes but um that does make sense because kuvira would definitely definitely turn to the fire nation when looking for someone to blame for kind of doing something bad and then being able to justify kind of trying to destroy their entire country. Okay? But that's that's pretty much what ha- would happen without Avatar Korra. It's pretty clear, just end of days, Dunzo without Avatar Korra. So um moving on to our third question, what are some of Korra's best accomplishments? Um I would say for some of Korra's best accomplishments well, we kind of just listed all of them. <laughs> like um so first she defeated Amon and she saved Republic City. Um she definitely saved Bolin. Um when Bolin was captured by the Equalist early season 1, she saved Bolin and then eventually later in season 1, she um saved Republic City. Um and then at the same time you know, she did some other things, of course. In season two, she saved the world from Unalak. In season three, she saved the world from Zahir. Kind of. Zahir's kind of anarchy picture of the world and chaotic picture of the world that he wanted to become real. Um, and then in season four, finally, she stopped Kuvira from taking over Zaofu and the rest of the Earth Kingdom and inevitably the rest of the nations, probably. So, um, Father Borrow, do you have any comments about. Cora's like accomplishments maybe there's there might be a few side accomplishments that she might have made that were a little less they're a little more subtle
1: um well I would think, and I think that's pretty much all of her major ones I'm sure there's quite a few smaller ones like she definitely went on quite a big adventure um you know spread cultures I feel got people yeah she really helped um you know, just like helping people just you know unite together basically, especially during harder times. Like when Republic City She sort of she's very good at defusing um bad situations, I think that's one of her strongest points. Yes. Um but yeah other than that, I'm not sure if those are her major accomplishments. Yeah.
0: Like you said, she is good at diffusing like bad situations, like when Kuvira was about to destroy entire The entire Republic city, she used her organizational skills and her avatar skills to kind of help evacuate everyone out of the city. So that's a good example. That makes sense. She definitely had some good accomplishments in terms of that. But other than all of those accomplishments, those are all of the main ones. There's a lot of different side ones that we can spend a really long time um, doing all the side accomplishments she made. But we do have a few other questions. Um, We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back to finish off this Avatar Korra breakdown. Hello, welcome back to the four elements. Um, We're just going to be finishing off our Avatar Korra breakdown, so let's just get right into it. Our next question is, why is the new team Avatar so different from the OG team Avatar, from Avatar The Last Airbender? So this is a good one because you know there's a lot of differences between the two team avatars. First of all, there's the age gap. You know, the new team avatar they're all like teenagers and soon become young adults, but the OG team avatar they're like all kids. Yeah, they're all kids. They're they're all like nine and ten and eleven and twelve and thirteen, um, and um, but in The Legend of Korra, like, Asami's, like, 16, Mako's, like, 17, and Bolin's, like, 16, and Korra's, like, 17, and stuff like that. So, um, there's, like, a big age gap. So that's why the romantic stuff is so different, I think. Because, like, you know, they're teenagers, so it's the romantics are much different. The chemistry is much different between the whole team avatar, I think. And then, also, again... There's like a more technological feel to to the new team Avatar because they have more tech because of you know Asami and future in- industries. Um, so they have like an electrified glove with Asami. Asami wears one all the time. You know they often a lot of their street chasing fight scenes they use a, a car. Um, they'll do a lot of a lot of acrobatics around bridges and buildings and things like that. And they'll use bending to, like, take advantage of the city, like, the concrete on the roads, the water, and the rivers, and the streams, you know? So I think that's another thing. Um, Firebird Balrog, um, could you, like, kind of break down any other differences, and why is it so different?
1: Um, well, I guess it's easiest to find out the differences after we find the similarities. So I'd like to list some of those. Okay. Um, they both have fire firebenders that are kind of closed off and uptight. Like Zuko and Mako, very similar yes. characteristics actually between them. And then you see um Toph and Bolin. They're both Earthbenders, however, they're quite different personalities. Yeah, Bolin is more like
0: open and like
1: <laughs> Yeah.
0: Toph is like oh. <laughs> Toph is crabby, Bolin's like, Yay! This is so great.
1: Mm, yeah, and um let's see, they both have they both have a non vendor, Asami and Sokka. However, um, one is very tech-based, while the other one is very um, traditional and based okay, Yes,
0: that's one. That's one difference, like the technological differences.
1: Yeah, and the avatars definitely had different childhoods. I would say. Yes. Aura had a much easier childhood, I guess. That wasn't too hard. while Aang had a very problematic childhood and he gets stuck in iceberg and comes back and his entire civilization's dead so yeah i don't know how he's not completely traumatized by that but yeah he definitely through a he, lot need
0: some, he needs some therapy he got some good he kissed guitar a little and then that, that, that made him feel better um <laughs> so so yeah that's like i think that's those are a lot of great differences and similarities between the two you know, team avatars. Um I think that pretty much sums up that question. Um moving on to our final one, how did Korra utilize metal bending during her fights as the avatar? So this is a cool question because like Korra is like the only metal bending avatar that we know of so far. So like she is really cool when she whenever she uses metal bending. So uh one time in season three, Wei, the metal bender from the uh, metal clan tries to escape, but Korra metal bends through a metal wall in his house, so they can try to pursue him. Now their they're per- they're, now their pursuit of him was not successful, but it was very impressive when she metal bent that entire wall. Um, another thing is, you know, Korra used cables i think cora definitely used cables in a few fight scenes she used she metal bent some cables in a few fight scenes and she definitely um she learned how to utilize metal bending and she and she learned all of that um i think she picked up some seismic sense just a little bit um i don't think she was a master of it like Aang or toff was but i think she definitely had a little bit of seismic sense just a little bit because in a lot of the fight scenes you can tell she can sometimes she can hear or tell when her opponent is behind her like every once in a while just in a few of her fight scenes i think it's a little subtle um but i mean honestly in in terms of the fight scenes i would say there's not a whole bunch of examples uh there's a few scenes when they're in Zhao Fu, where she again she uses cables and she bends little pieces of metal and she contends with Way and Wing, who are pretty skilled metal benders. So she's definitely a decent metal bender as an avatar. So um, that pretty much wraps up our breakdown of Avatar Korra. It's been really fun doing this quadrant because this is our our last like official episode of the quadrant. We'll be doing a little bye bye episode um, in about a week on January thirty first. But this is, like, our last official episode, so it was really fun doing this quadrant. It was really fun recording this episode. Um, and anything, any closing thoughts, Firelord Balrog? No, sounds good to me. All right. Um, I'm Mr. Boomerang. And I'm Firelord Balrog. And this has been a wonderful quadrant to record, um, and a wonderful episode to record, a wonderful avatar breakdown. Um, stay tuned because next week we'll be doing uh, uh, some recapping of our favorite moments from the past Water Tribe quadrant and g- generally discussing fun stuff like that. We'll be starting off our new Earth King- Kingdom quadrant in early March. We will be taking a one month break during february and we will definitely have some great new avatar content in store for you in march so stay tuned for next week where we will be recording and publishing uh our kind of goodbye episode for the water tribe quadrant and then one month later in early march stay tuned because we are going to be starting in the earth kingdom in the spring Um, We will be publishing a few shorts during February, but we mostly won't be publishing a lot of content, so make sure to just stay tuned for our Bye Bye episode next week and our episode starting sometime in early March. So that's it, and we'll see you next time on The Four Elements.